It's another Ian Collins wants a word fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi Outlander. The average car has over 30,000 parts. The Outlander has just one. Awesomeness. Get yours for just £249 per month, plus three years free servicing. Ian Collins wants a word. You know that uh, Australian uh, talk show that I sometimes listen to? Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm on the train and I think, uh, it's not, I've, I've listened to everything and I just have a flick through my TuneIn radio app and see what's going on down under. And then if I hear something I like, I rewind it and then record it, such okay. as the 21st century is. Well, yes. Of my smartphone. I've got a beauty here. You know how every now and again there's a story about the Home Office is incompetent? Oh, the yes. border agency don't know what they're doing. Oh. Illegal immigrants are running a mock around the UK. How true. Yeah. I think we got problems. Well, we do hear, have problems. You want to hear the news you down do under? Go on. Check out some of this. I'm Gary McQuaid. A leaked report has highlighted security deficiencies at Australia's immigration detention centres. Lance White has details. Confidential information about detention centre security has been leaked to the Sunday Times by an insider from private operator Serco. It follows three successful escapes in five months from WA's Yonga Hill Detention Centre at Northam. Not good. It's been revealed it took just 45 seconds for three asylum seekers to escape from the centre using padded socks to get them over the security (laughs) fence. And it turns out the voltage on the electric fence isn't strong enough to shock the escapees. <laughs> the paper reports the insider has also revealed detained asylum seekers can use the internet to book plane tickets and line up getaway <laughs> vehicles with the help of friends on social media. And even Google Maps have been downloaded by asylum seekers so they can work out their escape routes. Lance White, Fairfax Radio News, Perth. Thank you, Lance. Lance. Right, bye. Whatever his name was. So all you need to get out of prison in Australia, a yeah. place known for being a prison, yes. if we're honest, mm-hmm. is a nice pair of slippers or comfy socks. Pa- yeah, padded socks, uh, Google Maps, and if you don't know what you're doing, and you are the... I don't know how they... Do they disguise themselves and just go up to the security guard and say, uh, hello, excuse me, mate, I am actually from France, <laughs> but I'm <laughs> pretending to be German. And then um, uh, he gives you the uh, the manual of how to get out. I don't know how that happens. God bless Australia! Oh, That's what I... So, Wonderful place. Yeah, which is not an irony, of course, because it is a nation of former criminals. Exactly. So, there you go. Um, by the way, uh, coming up a bit later... Anybody of any faith has to have the courage to accept their own doubts. That's Vicky Beeching. She's our new ethics correspondent. Because this show has no real ethics, if we're honest. <laughs> we're, we're just layabouts. Yes. We need help. We have the moral template of a house rat <laughs> on this show, so... How true. We look forward to all of that. It's questions and feedback via social media, Yay. like Facebook and Twitter, via email, and uh, people who scratched it onto the side of my car, which I think was highly inappropriate, <laughs> but there we are. And if I find you doing it again, Colin... Sorry. From 8-Bit Hero. Why are all the most successful mobile phone games about birds? 
That's an excellent question, 8-Bit Hero. Because birds uh, will provide, of course, the, the greatest form of entertainment. Um, you can catapult them, shoot them down, fly with them, yep. score points, flap their wings, make them go high, make them go low. Uh, of course, that does usurp rather grandly anything you might get from Grand Theft Auto. Oh, well, You've got no, to pretend but... to be a policeman or something. Right, no, but there's a difference. So the difference is that something like Grand Theft Auto... You once texted me and said, I've just been thrown out of a titty bar. True. And I thought, oh, wow, really? That's not It's not like Sideshow. I mean, I know you like a night out, but frankly... Don't we all? Going titbind, I thought, no way. Oh, you... And then I realised, you're playing f***ing Grand Theft Auto. You quack, quack, oops. <laughs> Whereas you're angry birds, there's nothing offensive yeah. about uh, that. Hang on, hang on. Flappy that, birds. That's as maybe, though. But if I send you a text saying, oh, I've just flown headlong into a giant metal pipe, that would be something else, wouldn't it? No, but there's a difference. You've got your casual games, like your bird-based games on mm. your phone, and then you've got your sit down and get into it and play it for hours and go into the bars and steal the cars oh, and God shoot sir. the spaceship and do all of that. that yeah. is, those, these are, this is great. You... This my when ambition. What, can I just ask you? This, this year, thing? you're getting into gaming like you wouldn't believe. When you watch, I don't know, let's go Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, okay, let's, an Indiana Jones movie. They're good, good movies. When you watch that, do you do you have a like a funny hat on and a prune eating monkey well, on your lap? Of course. <laughs> All right, okay. And a small Asian boy. P- point made. Next week, I'll show you my skills. In the Flappy Bird department. Really? Okay. You managed to nab it before they took it away. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nab it? Yeah. High scores all round, thank you. Really? No, I think so. Ah, this I sounds like so. a challenge. Yeah, okay. Exciting. Next week. From Sunderland Mick. Mick says, Have you two been flooded? You soft southern lot jump at your own shadow. God knows how you pair of bozos reacted to a drop of rain. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we had a bit of a missed week, didn't we, last week? We weren't... On. We did, and that was sort of partly flood-related in that our studio was flooded. Yes, So there was yes. not, not a lot we could do about that. Um, all I would say to Mick, because it's not just in the South that the floods have happened. But, I, I mean, these were biblical, mate. I mean, it wasn't just a bit of rain. No, it was extraordinary. Yes, they actually have destroyed thousands of homes throughout yeah. the country. So, yeah. Uh, this is big stuff. It is big stuff. Did you get anything at home? Did you, like, Was it just here in our studio den? Well, <clears throat> we're still looking for Andre. We think he's around here somewhere. I think I saw his shoe the other day. I, t- I did hear he floated past a porthole <laughs> at about half two, but uh, yet to be confirmed. Actually, at home, I did. We did have a little bit of an incident, which um, uh, I, I was going to text you about, but it was, oh, it was yeah. kind of unfortunate because really? very stormy, very very windy, yeah. lots of rain. Yeah. Our recycling bin blew over. Mm. Now it was empty, but it meant I had to go out and pick it back up again. Oh. And it was just unacceptable, really. Well, and you know, I, I share the pain really because uh, we lost the lid of our recycling bin. Oh, so. did you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's a right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not happy about the uh, about that. It was. It's bad. like starting from scratch, isn't it? On recycling, really. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Your Coke cans and KFC wrappers oh, are all over the pavement. Don't even go there. I'll try not to. From. Truman, I saw Kev tweet for some f***ing reason that he used to work He used to work with Dr David Starkey. Is he as much of an arrogant arsehole as he appears? Well, people have said I'm a bit of an arsehole, in fairness, but unless you mean Starkey. 
I think this is because a few weeks ago he was on Question Time and he did something on Question Time and the whole nation said, oh, Starkey, Starkey, ooh, well, let's... What did he do on Question Time? Uh, he was arguing with somebody. George Galloway, that probably. Was, that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. But uh, We worked with Starkey and I had Starkey on my radio show only six months ago. Did you really? He's a nice man. You know, I, I don't think I've told this story before. The thing about Starkey, and this is, mm. goes back to the very, the, the very origin about Talk Radio UK. People wanted stories. This is one of my favourites. He would, um, do you remember, because you always pressed all your own buttons and things. You yeah. always, not now, you've got uh, Andre somewhere, waterlogged yeah. Andre to do it. <laughs> You'd always press your own buttons, but some presenters who weren't technically literate didn't do that. But um, uh, Dr. David Starkey was, was one of these people who would have people pressing buttons. But he wouldn't know when to get rid of the calls, so he decided he wanted to control his own fader. So, you know, so the, he opens the fader and the call's on, and then you close the fader very quickly to get rid of the call. That's what everyone in talk radio, LBC, that's what you do. Bang, gone, right? Yeah. Not Dr. David Starkey. He seemed to think the best way to close the fader was to close it very, very slowly. And while he was doing that, he would be talking over the uh, the caller who's like, oh, I haven't finished. So you would end up with something like that. So you'd be the caller. You just you just talk. Yeah, it is. The thing is, David, you know, you can't have it that way these days because the trouble is everybody is and trying to do what they want to be doing. And there goes in London. Knows that somewhere along the line, John's point was very well considered. Call us now. You'd end up like having this conversation as the caller's like, I haven't finished yet. That's great. Yeah. That's great. The other thing about Starkey, that most people do think, you know, he's kind of an irony, really. He's, you know, Oxbridge historian. Um... And, and he's a Tory, but he's gay. And if you're gay, you're not meant to be a Tory. Uh, but here's the thing about posh boy David Stark. Oh, yeah. Born in a council house. Comes from working class stock, which I think probably gets missed somewhere along the line. He doesn't really sell that point enough, and I think he probably should, particularly when arguing with the likes of George Galloway. Always very well dressed as well. He complimented me in a waistcoat once. Damn it. Yeah. From Minnie, the moaning maniac from Manchester. <laughs> That's nice. I'd like to moan, wouldn't we all? Owen Jones is a... Quack, quack, oops. Thank you. No argument here. It is a bit weird, isn't it? That I, I don't know how many uh, debates Owen Jones has appeared on of late on the back of things like um, Benefit Street. Yeah. Which has really upset the A lot of left people getting very, very upset. Oh, yeah. What is fascinating to me, Owen Jones gets asked to go on programmes about the working classes when he is demonstrably middle-class, opulent, and actually a bit posh. But throw in a northern accent and a baggy jumper and everyone thinks he's the man for the job and I find there are some areas of life where you can't make an intellectual leap of imagination you have to have lived it to understand it to have yeah. a really race is one of them you know you can't comment on race really unless you've been or racism unless you've been on the wrong side of it you can't really comment on class or working classness unless you've come from that background and the boy Jones gives it a damn good go but frankly, has zero experience of his own opinions. I just find that a little bit suspicious. You know, don't let that stop a booker in TV land going, who do you talk about working classes? Who do you Oh, let's get Owen Jones, because he once wrote a book called Chavs. On the other hand, my favourite waste of time was a great pop song. Not bad. From Bob Shire's Dire Tire Fire. <laughs> I heard the story of one of your listeners seeing a Reynolds girl on a train. I think this is a one-hit wonder spot, Mr. C. E Andre! <laughs> Andre! <laughs> there he goes. What's that in his mouth, Kev? It looks like a fish. <laughs> if you could hoist your wet arse over there to the... No, don't press that one, you'll electrocute yourself. Use a stick, man! 
I heard the story of one of your listeners seeing a Reynolds girl on a train. I think I can top that with my story of encountering a one-hit wonder in a mundane, everyday life situation. In the mid-90s, in a branch of Benji's in central London... Do you remember Benji's? They used to sell sandwiches. Whilst buying a cheese baguette, 60p, very good value, I accidentally bumped into Save Tonight star Eagle Eye Cherry. I apologise profusely, but he told me to f*** off. (laughs) I am therefore glad his career did not soar to great heights. Yeah. Bit mean, isn't it? It's a bit mean. But it, it was just Save Tonight, wasn't it? I think that's probably true, yes. Can't, can't think of anything else. Have you seen any one-hit wonders? <laughs> Chuck them in. And yeah. then maybe we'll do a big, you know, the big reunion thing, and they have oh, all yeah. these old bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll get all of these people. You can come and you can re-meet the people. Oh, that'd you... be good. That's featured on the What's a Word podcast. Exactly, All yeah. of the one-hit wonder people that we uh, we identify. I like it. So, you know, he could be told to f*** <laughs> off again by Eagle Eye Cherry. Fair point. From the Pearly King of Edinburgh. I didn't know Edinburgh had Pearly Kings. It doesn't, does it? They're the people that wear those um, buttons, aren't they? You used to see them a lot more than you do. Like at carnivals and things? Yeah, yeah, like lots of buttons. But are they just cockney people? Are they cockney folk? They're just cocks. (laughs) That's about right. Pearly King says, Do you moisturise? I saw Collins and Telly recently, and you look like you'd be lubed with an inch of your life. (laughs) Beck your pardon. Facially speaking, of course. Yeah. Do uh, do you moisturise, Kev? I think once you get past the age of about 21... Um, you you kind of occasionally need to put a little bit of cream on your bonds, don't you? That's Just the thing, of, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's the, you, the truth there is in the word occasionally, because at Christmas time, you know, folk buy your stuff, so you get various potions and lotions. You think, oh yeah, that's meant to be your, your, your aftershave balm, yes. as they call it, yeah. and then a few other bits and pieces, and you think, yeah, I'll do that. And then so you go to you have your little shave, and then you put a bit on. It all feels rather nice, and you have a shave the next day. And you forget, and then uh, that, it stays in the cupboard till it's all gunked up. Yeah. And then about six months later, you think, oh, I'll give that another go again, and it comes out like Coleman's f***ing <laughs> And tastes like it as well, for that matter. But after shaving, it's good to put a bit of moisture on. I can't get away without putting something on after shaving. Yeah. My face falls off. Well, you should really, you know. Yeah, I know, not good. From... Old Ben Lucas, I'm pleased to report my severe nasal mucus condition has now cleared up and I can lead a normal life without living in fear of bullying in the form of musical parody. Nice. I like that. Well, old Ben Lucas had a lot of mucus coming right out of his nose. He picked and picked till it made you sick, but back again it grows. Hey, Casey. Yeah. There's your dosage. I'm starting to feel a bit <laughs> sniffly. I can uh, understand that. Yeah. From Big Bad Bob in the Land of Giants. People have been very creative with the names this week. I like that. Would you rather have no feet but the ability to fly or no arms but the ability to jump 50 feet in the air? What? So no... What? Right. No feet but the ability to fly or no arms but the ability to jump 50 feet in the air. Okay, so if you could fly, then how would you land if you didn't have any feet? Carefully. (laughs) Yeah, but each time you'd just fall into a heap, wouldn't you? She'd be flying around going, look at me, look. Uh, I wish you land like a plane, like skid on your front. That wouldn't be very comfortable, would it? Down but, at but Blade they... Shopping Centre. Well, I'm just coming in, boys. Just put your hands out. That would work. Yeah, but then you'd have to walk. The, the cool factor would be gone a little bit, wouldn't it? By the fact that you couldn't do that parachute thing. Uh, you know when they land and they just walk? Right. At so coolly as if they do it every single hour of every single day. That's what you need to do. However, I'm quite intrigued by what was the other one? If you didn't have any arms, but you had uh, feet that allowed you to jump 50 feet in the air. Yes. Yeah, like so a you, massive frog. Yeah, you'd effectively become a no-arm <laughs> jumping wha- 
Look at that fool bouncing around the place. Yeah, but imagine how great that would be at the multi-storey. <laughs> we wouldn't have to use those piss-ridden lifts for a start. <laughs> <laughs> you just go up the outside. What it's floor true. am I on? Eight. No problem. <laughs> I love it. If you have any questions uh, you want to throw our way, then very simply uh, send them through to kev at onceaword.com, ian at onceaword.com, or tweet at onceaword. Very simple. Uh, still to come, we've got stuff, uh, including our ethics correspondent. We need it. Vicky Beeching oh. is on with us as well. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. That's the first time we've done this in 2014. Here we go. It is that time for your suggestions on how to make the world a better place. Some things in life just need a swift rethink, a reworking, a rewiring of ideas in order to improve, usurp, or just outshine the status quo, what once was. Join us now, brethren, as we ask you for your suggestions on making life just a tad easier than it was yesterday. Welcome to our workshop. Kev, have you got one? I have two, as a matter of fact. Okay. Foreign dramas. Now, foreign dramas are very popular. Can you say foreign? Is saying foreign politically correct, or should you say international dramas? Internationally based and recorded dramas are very, very popular. They tend to sort of be on BBC Two. People rave about them and say, you know, like The Killing and stuff like that, and The, the Bridge and The, the Street and the, uh, the Back Alley and but all that kind of thing. Since when were the Scandinavians known for quality f***ing <laughs> television? What a load of old bollocks. Oh, look, she's got a baggy jumper. What a weird, wacky, strange piece of postmodernism this really is. Well, the thing is, I think people just like them because they can read them. And like, oh, it's like, it's like reading a book yeah. with, with moving pictures. The problem is, though, that I think that, in general, you're missing out on a little bit of audience. And you're missing out, with all this great quality drama, on the truly lazy. You can't be arsed reading a TV show on a Good Sunday point. night. So my suggestion would be, way to make the world a better place, redub them. Rich history of redub programs on the BBC. Monkey. The Water Margin. Heidi. Let's get some of these characters back. Yeah. Have them do the killing. Watch the numbers skyrocket within weeks. And I think if you got somebody like Reg Holdsworth from Coronation Street, that would really uh, <laughs> get it running nicely. Hey, up me ducks. It looks like murder on bridge. Put your baggy jumper on. Let's go and have a look. <laughs> It looks like somebody's had their throat slashed. I'm not even sure if you could get away with monkey these days, though, because probably it's not. quite, uh, you know. Well, no, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily racist. They're just very. The Chinese accents that they choose are very specific. They seem to be, don't they? Yeah. 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 Strange show that. Very. Here's another one, though. It's a technological invention. Okay. For some reason, and it can be on public transport, there seem to be a breed of people who uh, are just incapable of saying anything when. They, they're trying to get past you. They just sort of, like, walk up and stand there and just kind of expect you to move out of the way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. So it's like they sort of move up, and they don't say, excuse me, they just, yeah. like, move there. And I, it's, you know, if yeah, it's... Yeah, it, it's rude. It is rude. Yeah. So I've, I've come up with a little invention, which I like to call the c*** collar. <laughs> and effectively, got a little bell on it. Like, you know when you hear a cat coming? I know. It's like, you're not hearing a cat coming, though. You're hearing a c*** coming. That's good. Um, I'd like to, uh, ways to make the world a better place, I'd like to introduce the space hopper as a genuine mode of transport. <laughs> if you think folk don't smile enough, just watch their faces light up as we pass each other on our orange bouncy balls on the way to work. Bouncing along like utter tit ends, not only with this cheer us up, the humble space hopper uh, genuinely speeds up your pace by the That's law true. of physics, of course. So yeah. It would, in fact, work, so... Let's bring some of that in. Mike in Roehampton says, I'd like to make the world a better place by getting folk to put their bathrooms in their garden. <laughs> Think about it, says hey. Mike. 
The further a bathroom is from anyone else, the better. No funny noises. And everyone gains an extra room in their house. What's not to like? They used to do that, though. They did. I can kind of see where he's coming from in the sense that if you don't mind a little hop to your garden... A little, hop, you... to, a little hop to do your plop. <laughs> to, in order to go out and do your bits and pieces, and there's a shower, and it's a nice little room, and the room looks you know, it's sort of the size of a garden shed, but it's done properly. Yeah. So it wouldn't be some old-fashioned 1950s sort of carsy that you'd find on Rita Tushingham kitchen sink drama... <laughs> From the fifties or something. You and touching him again. I can't help myself. It would be a night, you know, it'd be nice, it'd be palatial. It'd look like your bathroom looks now, but it would be in the garden and it would give you a spare room in your house. You have an extra bedroom. You're forgetting I live in a borstal. Very true. Lenny says, let's get rid of all parking restrictions and allow common sense to prevail. I'm not sure we've had this one before, but certainly the idea isn't new. Uh, he says, I think the brave move would in fact work out okay as long as people didn't obstruct. Then park where the hell you like. Just use your head. There was a a case wasn't there where some uh, some traffic lights broke on a very busy intersection somewhere somewhere I think in in Holland right and they realised that during the three days that these things weren't working actually the intersection worked just fine mostly people just used their noggin uh, they gave way instinctively when they needed to other groups realised that that road needed to be given way to because it hadn't been for a while and it sort of worked out and they never put the lights back on again and I wonder whether this mm. would work out in a similar fashion or would people just park like all over the country uh, but people just do don't they I don't think you can fix it Philly in Liverpool docks ways to make the world a better place no MP should be able to stand for parliament until they have appeared on mastermind countdown pointless I'm a celebrity and ready steady cook <laughs> Uh, he says, we floated this idea in the pub recently. What first seemed like an utterly frivolous idea actually has some intellectual weight and common sense behind it. Just think how much more we would get to know our political masters. And I thought, after reading this, I thought, actually, he's onto something, though. How often do you get to know your MP, really? Even once elected, but before elected, if they're knocking on doors. Once I've had an MP knock on a door. Get plenty of MEPs, though, don't you? The MEPs love it. Yeah, they swarm round your house. Yeah, but... You know, who knows who those bozos are? But exactly. That your MP, if somebody said to you, "Don't worry, just turn on for for that," there'll be a, I don't know, election season on Channel Four, and we'll have all of these programs one after the other, and your MP can appear on them, and you can decide for you. You imagine seeing your MP on Mastermind, and then on I'm a Celebrity doing a bit of endurance. Yeah. You've got you've gone from the intellectual stuff to the uh, endurance stuff. And they've got to make a couple of flans on Ready Steady Cook, which is always going to be good. Then go on Pointless. How good are they with a conundrum on Countdown, etc.? I think you would build a better idea, a better profile of your potential MP through that than you would through them throwing out leaflets with a shit picture yeah. and a dodgy slogan. That's a good idea. I mean, there, there are a lot of other TV shows you could have them on. Um, Cracker Jack. <laughs> you know, standing there with those... You know, all, all of the promises double, in their hands. Double or drop. Double or drop, yeah. Oh, yeah. Krypton Factor. I thought about that, actually. Let's yeah. add the Krypton Factor to it, because that's got proper endurance. It does. And you've got to work out who the extra is in I'm, the film. I'm amazed they haven't brought that back for, like, celebrities recently. Have they? I mean, it... They it, did, no, they, they did come back with somebody, didn't it? Ben Shepard? Oh, no. You need Gordon back for that. Yeah, but he's 152. He doesn't matter. Steve the Daydreamer, uh, his idea to make the world a better place, is let's move the capital of the UK to Blackpool. He says it has everything. Huge tower in Landmark, cool nightlife, lots of chips, and folk are generally happy. In terms of a parliament, it even has several peers. 
Oh, yeah. Should we just end the show now? I think we should. Uh, we'd like your suggestions, please, for ways to make the world a better place. Alterations you'd make to the standard rules and regs of life in order to make things just work a tad better. Piers. And you know, I like to flatter you. I mean, your taste is obviously impeccable, and you know what you want from life, which is exactly why you should be driving a Mitsubishi Shogun. And the good news is, you can now save up to five thousand pounds on this ultimate 4x4 with prices starting from just 26199 and 0% finance available across the range you've just got to check it out for yourself pop by mitsubishi-cars.co.uk/shogun for some very special offers shogun always capable surprisingly affordable after all of that i've quite honestly you could stick a a gun to my head, and I would have no idea what this, what's about to happen, at all. Really? Oh, it's not, is it? It is. It's not. Oh, oh it is. Shut up. Oh, it is. Andre. Andre. That's what I thought. Sideshow Kev's showbiz shoebox. Hello there. It's Sideshow Kev's showbiz shoebox. <sighs> Your occasional look at the big box of showbiz. What we find under the bed now this week. We've, we've just wrapped up, or are about to wrap up, a wonderful Winter Olympics with many surprises. And if you don't know what's coming, you haven't listened to this podcast enough. Any Olympic... <laughs> Welcome back. He and Collins has re-entered the room. Yeah. Any Olympic event creates a rich seam of shoebox nonsense to explore as we return to the well to bring you actual Olympic athlete names. Andre! Hang on. Claudia Winkleman's out there. Hi, Winkleman. Can you press that button for Kev? Nice fringe. Thanks, mate. Winkleman wants a word. Got a lovely ring to it, hasn't it? Winkleman wants a winkle. Winkle wants a tinkle. Very simply, in Collins, three names, only one is real. You just have to find the actual Olympic athlete. Number one, spot the actual athlete. A, representing China in ice hockey. Demeanor, Fu Fong. B, representing Iceland in bobsleigh. Aurelian, Snarf. Or C, representing Norway in the biathlon. Fanny, Well Strandhorn. <laughs> so one is, only one is real. Only one is real. Okay. I, I, I'm I going for C. Fanny Wellstrandhorn? Yes. It's the correct answer. right? You know your fannies, though. I, I remember do. this from last time. Fanny Babu. That's right. Yeah, who uh, represented France, of course, in 2012. Yes, she did. Yep, there you go. Number two, spot the actual athlete. Yes. A, representing Switzerland in cross-country skiing, Sariana Boner. <laughs> B, representing Thailand in curling, Quang. Or C... Representing the United States of America in figure skating, Reggie Fister. I'm. I'm. A B. Quang. Quang is definitely the one in the curling. Quang? Yes. The incorrect answer. Oh, stop it. Sariana Boner is okay. an actual right, person, not right, made up. Right, okay. yeah. Number three, spot the actual Winter Olympic athlete. A. Representing Australia in curling, Liam Huge Dangle. B, representing Great Britain in luge, Donald R. Flapjack. Or C, representing Germany in ski jumping, Andreas Wank. It's going to be C, isn't it? 
Is it? Yeah. It is? Yeah. It's a correct answer. Andreas Wank. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably pronounced Vank, but it's his name, so we don't have to beep no, it. Because, uh, listen. You um, know. That there there are, are footballers, uh, as many a football-based show feature will uh, tell you, that, that have, I think, the odd Wank-based moment in the Monica department. So Is that right? Indeed. Probably Vank, being German. Could be. Anyway. Number four, spot the actual Olympic athlete. Is it A, represented Korea in snowboard, mm. Bong Shik Shin, B, represented Canada in the ice hockey, Robert Lee Hashtag, or C, representing the United States in speed skating, Sing Song Lullaby? <laughs> Which of those is real? It's A. Bong Shik Shin? Yes. It's the correct answer. Guess in there. Yeah, I know this stuff. You've been reading up. You yeah, knew this was coming. I, I follow the Olympics. And finally, Esther number five, spot the actual Olympic athlete. A, representing Cyprus in biathlon, turmeric, bottom. B, representing Venezuela in luge, Kurt, damp. Or is it C, represent, <laughs> representing Mongolia in cross-country skiing, Otgong Setgong Chinbat? It's B. B, Kurt, damp. Yes. It's the incorrect answer. The actual answer, the actual real athlete, is Otgog Setseg Chinbat. Stop it. It's a lady. Otgog Setseg Chinbat. Yeah. Can I just say, is there something wrong with us that we still laugh at names? Well... I tell you what, this this feature really is an extension of having the, um, the supply teacher at school, and you can't wait for... And I remember, strangely enough, talking of internationalism, I remember... Uh, Mrs. Hamlet, who came in, who was German. Oh, dear. And she said, my name is Hamlet, as in cigar. And we thought this was the f- the funniest thing any teacher had ever said to her. She was a bit unconventional. Uh, she wore a, an apron, for reasons unknown. Oh. Um, but, yeah, the supply teacher moniker challenge is in this genre, isn't it? I suppose it is, yeah. Mrs. Hamlet. I wonder where she is these days. Probably gone in and out of Mr. Piddler, who was also a very real teacher. Really? Maybe they got married and had a whole bunch of little Hamlet Piddlers. Who knows? Hey, you can follow me on Twitter, at Sideshow underscore Kev, if you, you really can. want to. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Uh, we've also got this. So here's the thing, Kev. Oh, yeah. Uh, eternal damnation, of course. Thank for, you very for much. Us, for us pair. Yeah. Um, it's been said, is it an act of evil if once in a while, uh, you know, you jape around like a pair of schoolboys? I mean, is, is that bad? Once in a while. All right, every week. Yeah. You jape around like a pair of schoolboys. I hope not. What, I mean, what is it? How do you define what is evil? What is good? What is bad? How do you know? What Do you have to set it into a context, a contemporary context? Do you have to set it within the context of who is saying it, how they're saying it? Are certain things just as a notion automatically bad? So some things automatically good? Do you know what we need? We need uh, some what sort of need? ethics correspondent. An ethics correspondent. An ethics what, somebody correspondent. who knows ethics. Somebody who can, you know, probably separate the wheat from the chaff yeah. in terms of uh, matters religious. I think so. There's only one person to speak with. Who's that? And that's feminist theologian writer Vicky Beeching is with us. <laughs> Hello, Vicky Beeching. Hello, as long as you're not looking for an Essex correspondent, because I've never lived there. I'm from Kent. So oh, you're not an Essex correspondent. No, oh, my no, goodness, no. we've been given false information <laughs> here. <laughs> the first question was all about Southend. <laughs> Rats. Yeah. Woman. But if you want ethics, then Listen, I can do that. Listen, we just want to know that. we're not going to hell. That's what we'd like to know. 
really, I can't really vouch for that. You can't protect. Oh, <laughs> you see, that's not a good start, is it? Really? No, that above is, my pay grade. That, <laughs> that is. A, is there um, within Christianity then? Is there, let's just look at it this way. It, we know there are things that you know. There, there are certain facets that you know. If you live your life by this code, then you know, according to the good book, then you should be okay. And that puts it crudely, I know, but and that's shared really amongst other faiths too. Um, but are there other sort of other subcodes? You know, so if Kev and I use a bit of salty language, does that make us bad people? Do you think, in the eyes of God? It's tricky. I think everybody's interpretation of Christianity, which is my faith, is different, and I tend to take a more open-minded view on it than some. So, you know, some people you'd see out on the street with the big pickets telling you you're going to hell when you're just, you know, trying mm. to cross the road to get to McDonald's. Um, <laughs> and then there's people like me that um, hopefully I tend to approach religion from more of an open-minded point of view. So I, I don't think our human brains are big enough to really understand all the mysteries of God. I mean, who are we? We're like little ants crawling around on the ground trying to understand kind of the person that made us so um i tend not to um like to dole out any certainties about who's right and who's wrong the bible has some some kind of guidelines but mm. i'm not the kind of christian that um that thinks you can kind of judge people and point the finger you see that's that's interesting you say that because that's that's where my all, all of my question marks get thrown up and I'll, I'll explain this a little bit um i love nothing more than a door-knocking Mormon. <laughs> I have to tell you, there's, I am so supportive of those guys. When people say, oh, it's the last thing you want when you're cooking your dinner. You know, If you're a Mormon and you want to go and spread the word of your faith, then you're not going to do it when people are out. You're going to do it when people are in. So these guys are unequivocal. They're unapologetic. They knock on your door. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses do a similar thing as well. And they will attempt to spread their word. Now, I might not agree with their word, I might not want to hear it, but I don't disagree with their desire to impart it, and impart it as forcefully as they can, because there is something to be said for a, a, a forceful message. Some might say, you know, if you are of a religious persuasion, if you do practice a faith, then surely, you know, there's no halfway measure here, which is sort of what you're saying a little bit, Vicky. In fact, you've got to, you've got to go the whole hog. You know, you can't be a, a bit of a Christian. You've got to go the whole hog and practice the good book, and that means shouting it from the rafters, doesn't it? I think it does. I used to be one of those Christians. So I used to have leaflets and, you know, trot around the neighbourhood and that sort of thing, if you can imagine that. I know you know me well, so yes. you probably can't imagine me being that annoying, but I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here comes Beecham with her leaflets. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I think... Um, Although I do respect that in people who, you know, like that, that kind of compelling passion is quite infectious, isn't it? You sort of think, wow, if you're really, really passionate about your faith enough to come and knock on my door, maybe I should investigate it. But um, I haven't really found people that operate in that manner to sort of follow through with as much love and grace as I would expect. It mm -hmm. tends to come from a, I'm here to tell you you're wrong and I'm right. And that kind of approach to me is quite unattractive. Sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say, doesn't that mean then that you are willing to be convinced otherwise of your own faith? Well, that's the whole point, And that is actually where it comes to for me. I think anybody of any faith has to have the courage to accept their own doubts and the possibility they're wrong. And that's where a lot of people's faith will fall apart like a house of cards. So uh, lots of very sort of black and white Christians mm. who will fight you on your doorstep about evolution or creationism or the fact that women shouldn't be in ministry, if they're ever proved wrong, for a lot of them, that would actually kind of, their whole faith would fall apart. Um, whereas I try to take the approach where I say, actually, I'm willing to be proved wrong. And I'm, I actually think doubt is quite an important part of faith itself. So maybe I'll find something out tomorrow. Maybe God will say something to me tomorrow that will mm. 
prove what I've said in the past wrong, but I'm open to that. How do you think people outside the Christian faith perceive Christianity then? What do you think, as a Christian, the perception is of you and your belief? Uh, well, I did a little Twitter survey tonight about that, and it sort of confirmed most of what I would have expected. I think most people's perceptions of the church are quite negative, to say the least. And I think that the disaster to not legislate for women bishops in 2012 really was a nail in the coffin for a lot of people. I think a lot of people didn't even know women couldn't be bishops until that hit the headlines. Um, mm. And then, obviously, um, in the last few months we've had a lot going on in terms of equal marriage and the church um, deciding not to support that so I just think people's opinions especially from Twitter tonight are just that it's a homophobic institution that doesn't promote equality for women and but some might, some might say I mean I, I was listening to an argument about this some might say that things like um, gay marriage for example and the church not supporting gay marriage some might say that's almost the dictionary definition of not being controversial to support the institution of man and wife is not particularly radical, is it? That's just holding the status quo. And given that, um, given that that is how procreation, or the conduit via which procreation happens, then there is nothing uh, outlandish or, um, or extreme about holding that belief. So why would that not seem outlandish and extreme, then, if, if the, the nation kind of politically decided that? That would seem outlandish, wouldn't it? But if, if that is what a good book is saying... If that, if that is what that's, the faith decrees. That's where it decrees. all comes down to, you see. There's a lot of people that will read the Bible, and I've spent years studying it at Oxford and other universities and um, love the book very passionately. A lot of people will see it as a black-and-white blueprint map, you know, that you can't diverge from and that has no kind of um, room mm. for interpretation, whereas the more I've studied it, the more seriously I've taken it. I've actually developed more of an open mind and realised that, you know, historical context plays a part, and some of the things we look at and think say one thing may actually say another. I don't want to be frivolous here, uh, Vicky, but I'm, but I'm going to be, because that's, be that's partly what I'm about here. But um, I love the locusts. <laughs> I, I, have, I love the locusts. Uh, when I was a kid, I had a big Bible. In fact, the woman over the road tried to stop her kid playing with me because I had a Bible. What about that? Yeah. Yeah, that's serious. I'm serious. It's well, we you know, I went to a Sunday, I did, I handed out leaflets. I think that's when we first met Vicky, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, I went to a little Sunday school, and yeah, and I had a Bible, and it was a huge color Bible, it's probably in the loft somewhere at my mum's, illustrated, illustrated, and it was amazing because there were incredible pictures wow. in this. Did it have horrific pictures of everybody dying in the flood? It had some of that, it had a dev, it had the devil flying around a rock. I never forget that, that was quite scary. Wow. But oh, what, what it, like a skateboard or a Board or... I don't uh, think she's taking this seriously. Yeah, are you are you mocking my faith here, Vicky Beeching? I would never mock your personal expression of faith. I never I, your faith. Yeah, whatever that might be. Um, but yeah, so everything was in there. And of course, you know, my favourite picture of all, which I used to come back to, was the plague of locusts. And I thought, whoever lobbed a plague of locusts, what a, you know, what, what, I don't know what they were doing at the time, but what a powerful image that was for me as a kid. What was the locust story anyway? What happened there? So in the book of Exodus, when Moses was trying to rescue all of the people of Israel from Egypt, where they were held captive, God said to Pharaoh that he was supposed to let the people go, and he wouldn't. And so God kept sending worse and worse things. Um, and there were frogs and there were boils. I hope there weren't any illustrated pictures of, you know, that, naked people covered in boils. That were, probably there, be, yeah, you know, there were frogs as well. Unsuitable. There were, yeah, Little frogs, frogs and, turned up. That's brilliant. Yeah, and then eventually God sent um, a plague, which was that all the firstborn died and that was when finally pharaoh let god's people go but again um, that's, it's all very complicated i mean you look at that and you think 
gosh, God sounds horrible. You know, he's killing everything and turning yeah. everybody into frogs and locusts. And yeah. It's um, it takes some sort of careful interpretation remember, to realise what was really going. I, on. I had a great moment of uh, a great Christian academic moment once about that when somebody was talking about the firstborn dying and uh, that God was deciding that babies should be killed. And of course, the firstborn uh, is probably the oldest in the family, not the youngest. Yes, that's exactly right. It's like the air. Yeah, but people think firstborn baby. I put mm. them right, Vicky. I am frankly like the Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> Thank you very yeah, much. I think you and, you and Justin Welby yes. would have a lot of trouble, I think. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So uh, we're not going to Helena Hancart as a result of our podcast, is our main question, yes. Vicky, yet. I don't know. It depends what you've got planned for the rest of the show. I, I couldn't say. <laughs> Listen, Vicky, thank you for being on with us. Uh, we appreciate your time. My pleasure. And where's the best place for people to find you and find out more about where you're at and what you're doing, what you're up to? Probably on Twitter, because I'm sad and I have no social life, so I'm always Stop on social it. media. You're always out. You're always at out Vicky doing Beeching. stuff. At Vicky Beeching or VickyBeeching.com. Yes, and be nice to Vicky, because Vicky is a nice person. Yes. Aw. There you go. Powerful. Uh, thank you, Vicky. My pleasure. That, everybody, is our ethics correspondent, Vicky Beeching. <laughs> Credit stream. And there you go. We declare this podcast well and truly closed. We are, of course, back in seven days. Thanks to you for downloading. If you like what we do, want to help support this podcast, get over to iTunes to rate, review and subscribe. Android people can try us on the free Stitcher app or download stitcher.com slash once a word. Thank you to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter. The in-show feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod. His website is in Computech. Remember, seven days from now is when you need to set your clock, because that is when we are back with more entertainment. Damn it. Until then, goodbye. A Big Things Media production. Big Things! It's another Ian Collins Once a Word fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi ASX. New car smell is composed of 50 different elements. The new Mitsubishi ASX smells lovely and is yours from just £14,999. That's nothing to sniff at.